In marriages, people often exchange gifts. Tanya is willing to do whatever it takes to give Aaron the ultimate gift of a kidney transplant. I have an opportunity to do something that not only impacts his life, but it's going to impact our life. That's potential living kidney donor, Tanya Roden. I'm Monica Fox, kidney transplant recipient and Director of Outreach and Government Relations for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois, and your host. In this episode of The Journey Continues, kidney transplant recipient Aaron Roden and his wife, Tanya, share how they plan to take their marriage to the next level. Aaron, how'd your kidney disease journey start? The journey began about 10 years ago. The nephrologist that I had said that I was at about 45% kidney function. Unfortunately, that was the first of three nephrologists that I've had. The one thing I kind of want to bring out for this audience, I recommend getting solid medical advice, largely diagnosed because I'm an African-American male, as just simply high blood pressure. The first you know, responses, if you will, from the medical community was uh, stop eating pizza and uh, drink more water. <laughs> After that, I was actually given arguably the wrong medication for years and secondarily told to take more. And it never actually brought down my blood pressure. In July of, of 2019, I actually had a stroke. And uh, according to the MRI, I actually have had multiple strokes during my lifetime and didn't even know it. I've been on this journey and I'm on my third nephrologist, thankfully the, the right nephrologist and a good nephrologist. Right now we're trying to avoid dialysis and we are uh, hopefully going to have a, a renal transplant in early May of this year. But uh, this journey has been amazing in that uh, Tanya and I met in 2015 through mutual friends and uh, we eloped in Maui in 2016, in October. I took her up to the top of Mount Haleakale. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And we were literally above the clouds as the sun was setting. And she said yes to me. She said yes. And we got married the next day. Well, that's uh, beautiful. (laughs) That is a beautiful love story, at least the beginning of one. Yes. Um, So you currently are in what stage? of your kidney disease? I am currently in stage five, categorically. How'd you feel when you got that diagnosis that you were in stage five kidney failure? It's hard to take, especially when you are potentially eating reasonably well. You know, I, at the time, was eating mostly vegetarian diet and taking pretty good care of myself. I was an avid golfer. I'm still, you know, a a golf fan. I was walking 10,000 steps or so a day. When you received that diagnosis, what treatment options were presented to you? Um, Well, first and foremost, um, they had to get a handle on my blood pressure because uncontrolled blood pressure exacerbates and accelerates chronic kidney disease. Right away, the treatment options, did they they first told you about transplant? Did they mention dialysis? What was that conversation like? Well, my uh, 
I was kind of racked up in the hospital. My nephrologist informed my wife that I was six months away from either receiving a kidney. I either had to receive a kidney or I would have to go on dialysis. What fears or expectations do you have about dialysis if that suddenly became necessary and transplant? The fear that I'd have with dialysis is that it's more than just, you know, sitting down and letting something happen. My mother was on dialysis for maybe 15 years um, because she was also diabetic. And that was really kind of the only choice for her. Thankfully, I'm not. And I, I kind of witnessed her suffering, you know, at times, three times a week. And she'd come back from dialysis sometimes completely wiped out. Seeing my mother and seeing how vibrant and alive and active she was, and then seeing her during the dialysis process in the latter parts of her life was one of those things that was frightening to me. It was, and it still is. However, I know that the medical technology and the process of dialysis has gotten exponentially better in a very short time. So what impact does your health have on your family? Obviously a major impact on Tanya, And it sounds like your extended family has dealt with these issues. How has your dealing with this impacted your family? Well, um, (laughs) both of us, and of course, she's she's definitely going to be able to top me now. Both of us are used to putting on our capes for our families. We're used to coming down and, and doing things for others and trying to be there and trying to be heroes. For the first time, I've got to sit back and receive Um, I have three daughters from a previous marriage, and my aunt is coming from Michigan to be part of our support network. My brother is coming from St. Louis to be part of our support network. So many people are praying for us and are in our corner, and I'm just really super thankful that we have who we have in our lives to be with us in this journey. Well, that sounds like a real testament to the person that you are, that you have such amazing support, and that's an incredible gift in and of itself. So, Tanya, let me talk to you now. When um, Aaron took you up on that mountain in Hawaii and asked you to marry him, and you said yes, and then the next day you got married, till death do you part, was there any mention of a kidney? No, (laughs) ma'am. No mention of no kidney. (laughs) Tell me me your side of that story, because it sounds really beautiful. You know, it was one of the most beautiful moments of my life. The future was ahead of us. I mean, the sky was the limit, actually. (laughs) So it was probably one of the most happiest days of my life. And We kind of seized the moment. We both had been married before and we were in paradise, (laughs) so to speak. So that was probably the highlight of, you know, what was to come. And boy, did we not know what was about to come. (laughs) We still talk about uh, Maui to this day. Um, We may not be able to go there physically right now, but there's times where we mentally, we just have to we have to go there. Um, and it keeps it keeps us going. That is so beautiful. How do you feel when you found out about Aaron's diagnosis? When I first 
found out about Aaron's diagnosis, I think something started to kind of connect the dots a little bit. There were things that were in question. Um, He appeared to be healthy, um, but when he got the diagnosis that he was in a certain stage, it was like that aha moment where I think that I realized that this has probably had been going on a lot longer than what I was aware of and realized that he probably was in denial whenever he was first told. Um, I was angry with him. I wouldn't let him know that, but as a wife, I was I was very angry um, because I was like, wow, you know, we just we just got married and you know, the future is the sky is the limit. And he was a very vibrant, healthy, on the external, very athletic. You know, I never imagined a diagnosis that early on in our marriage. I'm like, we were, like he said, we were young. And so, and we're still young, but, uh, you know, these are conversations that I've, you know, I have known people that were in a different age bracket, but as, you know, awareness comes, I realize that there's a lot of people that it's affected by kidney disease. So at first I think I was just, I was anger, angry. And then I, um, I wouldn't say that I was resenting Aaron, but I felt that there may have been a time where he just wasn't as transparent about his disease. Um, because he was still trying to process it himself. That's understandable. What did you know about kidney disease before you learned about it with Aaron? I didn't know anything. I I mean, I literally did not know anything. Uh, I really didn't understand what kidney disease was. There's a quote that says the journey of a thousand miles begins with one single step. And I think the first step was just realizing wow, this is where we are, but how do we get to the next step? What's the next step? And the next step now, you've decided to be his living donor. Why'd you decide to do that? Well, when I realized that we were the same blood type, there was something on the inside of me. I know this is going to sound really strange, but before I knew that Aaron was ill, I had always suspected that Aaron had some type of illness. I didn't know what it was. Um, and I remember having a conversation with Aaron in tra- before he was diagnosed, and we realized that we were the same blood type. And when he told me that he was the same blood type as I, um, I would say that there was something bigger than me that felt there was a reason why we're the same blood type. And I had no clue. (laughs) Like I I didn't know. So fast forward, I would say probably a year and a half later. Yeah. About a year and a half later, we ran into all of the diagnosis. I, I felt like that aha moment, like, okay, but I really didn't know that I would be a match. I just knew that I was going to do everything that I had to, to at least eliminate that I wasn't a match. I was going to do all the testing. I was going to do everything that I could because this is the man that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And if I have an opportunity to do something that not only impacts his life, but it's going to impact our life. I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to allow God to use me in a way that I can't 
use myself. That's beautiful. So in this process, what obstacles have you faced with trying to get to be approved to be his donor? The first obstacle was the hours of testing and uh, going to downtown Chicago at, at Northwestern. We we had to go through some very, very thorough testing. So we went through all the testing and uh, they pulled me in a little room with my husband. And here I am as his wife thinking, I want to put on the cape. I, I need to put on the cape. I got to put on the cape. Let's do this. Um, and they told me um, that my sugar levels were high and that they were going to make me do a glucose test, which I'm like, what? <laughs> are you talking to me or you got the wrong one? <laughs> you got the wrong woman. So they made me drink um, a really nasty orange drink that was just absolutely just gross. And they said to me, you know, that my A1C was higher than what they would want a donor, um, a living donor to have, but they wanted me to lose 20, 25 pounds because everything else was very checked out. Like it was, I was golden. Um, so that was like, to me, it felt like a death sentence because I'm like, well, 25 pounds. Okay. I can do, I can do this. <laughs> you know, I can do it. But the time frame that the doctor uh, had said that we only had six months, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. That is where my true beginning of this journey started was one, do I really want to do this? Two, is it possible for me to complete this goal within six months time? And three, how, how bad do I want this future, you know, this future with my husband? I've always been an active person, but I never really, um, I mean, I went to the gym and, and everything, but it was like a mindset. It was like I had, it was really a, truly a mindset. And, uh, I told myself that I was going to start with two miles a day and, I I got up and I just one day I'm like, no, we're going to do five miles a day. So I was doing five miles a day in the middle of the summer. I mean, I'm talking about discipline as far as eating chicken salad and tomatoes and cottage cheese for lunch for every day for like probably almost six months. Cut out all soda, cut out all sweets. I used to be a Reese Pieces <laughs> queen. <laughs> So I was taking the um, necessary steps to have to change a, a complete lifestyle change. Not only, you know, as my husband has this diagnosis, but I'm going to have to really just change everything that I've known all my life, which was I, I ate whatever I wanted. I had I ended up going um, to my doctor and just starting monitoring um, my A1C because that gets checked every three months, like it backdates every three months. And I went and got my A1C tested and I would monitor it. Uh, I would take the initiative and monitor it and go and say, hey, check me, see where I'm at, see where I'm at. So I would kind of have a guide, you know, um, of what needed to be done. And I was able to drop my A1C. I, I'm not going to say I, I'm not going to say I, I'm going to say that God gave me the ability, not only, I mean, when I was walking and running. I would lay hands on myself. I would pray. I would rebuke diabetes. And it was that decision that said, I am not going to accept that this is my love story. I'm not going to accept this. 
when I went to the doctor and they told me that my A1C had dropped three points and it put me into the range to be able to donate to my husband, um, I was overwhelmed with joy. And it was almost like I crossed the finish line. Like, you know, when you're running the race and you just raise your hands up and you cross the finish line. And I was just so grateful because it wasn't easy. And then we went to the doctor and Aaron's doctor said that his numbers were holding and that we needed to allow Aaron's kidneys to basically fade out. It felt like my world crashed, not because I wanted him to hurry up and get the surgery, but all the hard work and and understanding that this is the moment I can sweep in, I can put my cape and I can just, I can save him, you know, I can save him. And we had to wait. And then the pandemic came. So we were in this holding pattern for quite some time. You know, it became winter um, very quickly and I wasn't able to walk outside as much, but I did. It was cold, <laughs> but I still, you know, I still did it. So where we're at now, they uh, went ahead and approved me um, because my A1C and my weight um, had changed. I had definitely lost close to 25 pounds. We um, went through the whole evaluation process and Aaron has a couple tests left. And then we got to go through pre-op. And so we're kind of in that holding pattern right now. Wow, what an amazing story and what tenacity and determination that you showed in order to, as you state, put that cape on to save your husband. That is absolutely beautiful. I wonder how'd your family feel about your decision to be a donor? My family has never really been uh, very active in our uh, relationship or our marriage. I don't want to say that I believe it's because Aaron is um, African-American, but if I said that to you, uh, I would be lying. They have not been active nor necessarily supportive or really active in any of this. And I think that that just motivates me and ignites me to want to do this even more. What misconceptions about being a living donor would you want to clear up for others who are considering it? The first thing I would say is it's easier than what people may portray as far as your recipient If they have insurance, they pay for all of the tests. As far as that, um, that is something that, you know, um, to consider um, if you have, you know, have somebody that can do that. The most misconception is that it's hard. And so I think that one thing, you know, that I would want to say is don't wait for a family member. If you've always felt that you've wanted to do something to help somebody, you feel like God has wanted to use you in a mighty way, but you just don't know what it is. Start by being able to give life. Yes, you are. You are correct, Tanya. I do want to say, I'll add to that. Anyone who is waiting for a kidney transplant and who is on the list and eligible to receive a transplant definitely has insurance that will cover 
the entire process, including their living donors expenses. So um, there would never be a cost to a living donor, as well as, as you see in your case, the workup is so thorough that if there is any potential oncoming health issue for the potential donor, they're going to highlight that and encourage you to deal with that. And so at times, people's lives have been saved just by going through the process of being a living donor. Monica, I couldn't agree with you more. If it was not for Aaron's diagnosis and me signing up to become a living donor and getting those tests done, I would be facing a near future of living with diabetes. So one final question for you both. When your transplant's been completed, how do you think this will affect your relationship? Well, um, it, it means a very special thing for both of us. And that um, from a, a spiritual perspective, you often hear, you know, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, you know, and that we are one. <laughs> Literally, she's going to have part of her in me. How it will impact our relationship is essentially we are connected for life. I mean, in the truest sense. Um, so it's only deepening our relationship and uh, strengthening our commitment to each other and to love and to faith, to faith in God, to faith in each other, to faith in humanity. When it's when it's cold outside, I'm happy. When it's uh, rainy outside, I'm happy because I'm alive and I'm thankful to be alive. She is my superhero at this point. <laughs> I believe that it's going to change us um, from a a perspective of being able to bring awareness not only to maybe other married couples or other individuals, but I, I do believe that we will become more active in our community, possibly doing a mobile um, screening to be able to impact other people's lives and bringing awareness. And I'm really hoping that that's something that we can get more involved in. So, you know, I'm signing up for the walks. I'm, I'm hoping that Aaron and I can go do the golf tournaments. Um, there's so many different types of activities that you guys um, offer and, and advocacy and different things. So I'd have to say that people are going to learn about Aaron and Tanya in, in, in a different way when it comes to kidney awareness. And we're going to be able to share our journey, not only as with one another, but we're hoping to impact other lives by just becoming more involved. Thank you both so much. And I'm excited about your future. I can't wait to hear about the successful transplant and look forward to working with you in the future for all of your outreach and awareness activities. Yes, Monica, it's it's such a pleasure. And we, uh, we thank you so much for having us. And um, again, to anybody that's listening, if you want to help somebody, you can. At least try. It won't hurt to try. Thank you. Even though Aaron and Tanya aren't blood-related, they're a match made in heaven. Are you waiting for a kidney, or are you interested in becoming a kidney donor? To learn more, visit nkfi.org. That's nkfi.org. I'm Monica Fox, and this is The Journey Continues. 
At the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois, we believe that prevention is the key. That's why at the end of every episode, you will hear a health or nutrition tip. Here's Dr. Melissa Prest. Here's today's health tip about exercise and physical activity. Everyone can benefit from moving their bodies daily. 30 to 60 minutes a day of some form of activity is recommended for its health benefits. Exercise has been shown to help with weight management and combat health conditions and diseases like heart disease, high blood pressure, strokes, diabetes, arthritis, depression, and anxiety. Exercise can increase your energy level, promote better sleep, and can actually be fun. Your exercise routine should include a variety of movement that gets your heart rate up and encourages you to use your muscles. Flexibility is also important so that you can move your joints through a full range of motion. Walking, jogging, jumping rope, climbing stairs, hiking, riding a bike, swimming and rowing are exercises that get your heart pumping. Lifting weights or using exercise bands can be a great way to strengthen your muscles. And yoga or tai chi movements are great at increasing your flexibility. Whenever starting an exercise program, talk with your healthcare provider to discuss which types of exercises are most appropriate for you. Start slow and gradually increase your time and intensity. While 30 to 60 minutes a day is the recommendation, start where you can. Maybe it's 10 minutes a day and continue to work until you get to the goal of 30 to 60 minutes. Always pay attention and listen to your body. If you feel dizzy, faint, or ill, stop exercising and follow up with your provider. With today's health tip, I'm Melissa Prest, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. The Journey Continues is brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and sponsored by Donate Life Illinois. To learn more about kidney disease and living donation, visit www.nkfi.org. To register to become an eye, tissue, and organ donor, visit lifegoeson.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to and leave a review for The Journey Continues in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. This podcast is produced by Rivet. To hear more great podcasts, visit rivet360.com.